0: This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network.
1: You're eating, and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer, Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame.
2: It's an inside the park, home run, Doug Gladwell. Mike tried
0: his coffee. At Starbucks with a double latte, skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) Greetings and welcome to Starkville, now part of the athletic baseball show, where you'll find great baseball talk all week long and all season long. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic. And I'm joined once again by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, and the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. Uh, You should know out there, Doug is once again reeling from his relaxing travel schedule. Uh, Did a game in New York on Saturday. Did a game in Houston on Sunday. Now he's doing this from back in the Eastern time zone. Got a flight canceled Mm. in between. Mm. So how are you feeling there, Doug? Pretty chill? Yeah, I mean, I've I've decided that I'm
0: giving up on the concept of time zones. I'm just just forgetting. (laughs) I'm creating my own time zone. Uh, What do they call it? Circadian rhythm. Yeah, I just, I'm going to ignore time. And I'm just going to sleep whenever I sleep. Could be in the third inning, but that's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm just, I can't play this game anymore. Time zone, it's it's a myth. I'm just deciding it's a myth at this point.
1: Yeah, the, the circadian non-time zone. Yeah, that's pretty good. Like, All right, it's like but, Olaf. Olaf what? has this cloud of rain following him. Yeah, I'm just
0: carrying my cloud of time zones. <laughs> it's mine, my, my own.
1: Okay, that sounds ominous. Yeah. Me, my yeah. my voice is a little uh, rough today. I'm still recovering from an evening I spent with Bruce Springsteen on Friday. Me, Ooh, and good eighteen thousand of my closest friends, but it was. Uh, a good time was had by me i know that not so much my voice but anyway uh back back to you doug Uh, on the bright side you did not have to call any no hitters in which the team throwing the no hitter gave up seven runs uh those rocket city trash pandas did that a week or so ago and this is pretty exciting to you i know we will Mm -hmm. tell the people, all about that in the strange but true portion of these festivities a little later. Am I right?
0: We have to. It's it's a mandate, according to Starkville Constitution, that we have to tell this story. It's That's important. right. We,
1: we, we never got to it last week, so the mandatory nature of no hitters where a team gives up seven runs requires that we do it this week. All right, Doug, but first, it is time to welcome in this week's very special visitor to Starkville. It's Eric Neander, the president of baseball operations for the winningest team in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays. Eric, welcome back to Starkville. It is great to have you here.
2: Thanks for for having me and would appreciate if that's something that we could find a way to say at the end of the year rather than just...
1: (laughs) That is the trick. Always the trick. Hey, listen, man, you know, everyone in baseball dreams of getting off to a start like your team just had. But there have only been three teams in history, not counting the 1884 St. Louis Maroons, who I don't count. We can we can talk about that sometime who have actually had this start 13 and oh, Eric, your team was 13 and oh, (laughs) man. Can you describe what it's like to go through two weeks in which your team never loses a game? (laughs)
2: No, I mean it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh it happens fast, you know, it's just over a couple of weeks and still you're getting settled into the into the season and, and finding your rhythms and your routines for, for the year and you kind of blink and and there you are. But um it's uh things things are rolling pretty good. <laughs> our, our players were playing well. Um starters were fantastic. Um, driving the baseball, doing a lot of little things. There were hustle plays that extended innings and led to bigger innings. There were bunts with two outs that opened up rallies. Um, You know, they're the the, the noisier, more obvious statistics, and there's things like that that played a really big part in it all happening. So just something to appreciate. And I think more than anything else, it just – this, this is a group the last several years. It's a special group. It's a really good group of players that, that care about one another. Last year didn't go the way, didn't end the way uh, we wanted it to. And uh, there's a lot of frustration with that, with health and so on. But for them to come out this year and play, I mean – their very best uh, baseball individually and therefore collectively was just a lot of fun to enjoy and and happy that they've gotten the attention that they have for it. Well-deserved.
1: Was this as stress-free as it ever gets in baseball? Because
2: not only did you win every game,
1: you, you were almost never behind behind in two games the whole time, the whole streak. Am I right?
2: Then our, then our starters got hurt. So don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) We always find something. We always will find something. It's uh, it's part of it, but no, it was, uh, I, you know, I don't know. I, there's not a whole lot in any given year that I don't think we pause a whole lot to to reflect. Um, after seasons, we're certainly not doing the middle of it. There's, there's no time to waste to get ready for the next one, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's been, it's been fun. A lot was, was kind of rolling the right direction. And, uh, like I said, I just, it's, it's generated a lot of attention for this team. Uh, it's our 25th anniversary season. Um, which helps remind us that we haven't been around that long. You know, you've seen generations yeah. now that grow up as race fans that weren't previous teams fans before this organization existed. It's it's just generated a lot of excitement. And I think above everything else, that's been been fun to see here in the early going. And hopefully it's something that can continue and we can build upon it as the year progresses.
1: You know, Doug was part of a historic start to a season two. Not this oh, yeah, not quite the same way. You might want to ask yeah. me about that.
2: It was nope, a 14 nope.
1: game streak. We we had 14 in a row. It
0: was it was just happened to be L's. That's all. It was the same thing. Yep,
2: yep. I don't need to ask about that one. I, I know I well enough to not ask. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, well, the the extra data of those that streak is people were getting in fights on airplanes and buses.
2: I mean, it was
0: it was a different kind of devolving.
2: <laughs> oh, hopefully, none of that anytime soon. Here, we'll see. Yeah. whatever.
0: So, I yeah, Eric, I'm I'm very interested in, you know, there's always this fear, right, of this the dreaded small sample size. So when you go through a streak like that, do you is there anything you come out of it where you're just like, we have to rethink this. That that you know, this guy actually does have a higher walk rate than we anticipated. Like can you figure out what you think will stick to be a true pattern versus what is really truly too small and too flux too much fluctuation?
2: Um Maybe, maybe a little bit. I I don't think we haven't, we haven't yet. I think there's been some things that, um, that we've seen, uh, you know, someone like Josh Lowe is an example, uh, that that broke with our team last year that, um, unfortunately here didn't go the way that we expected it to, nor the way he expected to Was optioned a couple of times, really never found his footing. I think using him as an example, I think this goes for a few of our players. Um, just finding success in the early going, I think more than anything else, this game is. Uh, look, we're analytically minded. We're many. We're many things. I hope we're more than just that. Um, I think we really appreciate the importance of confidence uh, when it comes to having major league success. And to see someone like Josh in the early going have the start that he's had, there's just a the validation that I think comes with that. How much of it's earned? How much of it is the benefit of good fortune? Sometimes it doesn't matter. And I think more than anything else, um, the part that I believe is pretty sticky from from what we've seen so far is just the collective confidence of this group. I, I think that you know last year, like I said, didn't go exactly the way that we wanted it to. Compared to the you know a few years prior, for this group out of the gates to to find their footing and to start the way they did, I think there's a lot of confidence and validation that they can come from that. From someone individually like Josh, who struggled last year, you know, and came to camp this year and. Last year, we put him on the team, and he, I think, was like, yeah, of course, I, I belong on the team. This year, he's like, no, now I really belong on the team. I did <laughs> that last year. You know, <laughs> like, you know it, it's 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 hard. And um, I think more than anything for players like that, I think it's a big deal. I think for someone like Brandon Lau, who missed a lot of last year to injury and never was quite healthy, you know, 39 home runs in 2021, last year happens, he seemingly is you know, been forgotten um, for him to – have the start he's had this year i think he's reminded quite a few people of why he's there and i think more than anything else like i said it's just this group reminding other people but especially themselves of just how capable they are is hopefully the stickiest part of all this and then when we get in the individual performance we'll give it a little more time
1: you know Rick, when i saw your team this spring i knew you'd be good um i i'll admit i didn't I think this team won't lose a freaking game for weeks, you know? <laughs> but I think part of it was it's been trying had so many players away at the WBC, And now I'm thinking it might actually have helped your team that you had so many players playing meaningful games. I mean, some of them Epic games in March is, is that a possibility that your guys were more ready to go because they hit that go button in March.
2: There were a lot of them that, that participated. Uh, yeah you know i i i don't think it hurt i i think it it allowed them in the early going of spring training to to carry a greater intensity you know to go play in those games um, games that i think mattered a lot more to people involved and even to those of us that stayed back and were and were following but yeah it got everybody ready got them feeling some intensity earlier and they came back and um I don't know they they've all they've all done pretty well you know but uh, we've had guys perform well that also weren't in the WBC so I don't know I, I think it's a great event it was a blast for all of us to follow I think those of us that that stayed back home and didn't participate found ourselves much more interested in those games than we might have thought we would have been going in so uh, just a, a great event and it certainly didn't seem to hurt anybody so we'll happily take it it was either that or Playing some games at Tropicana Field, one or the other.
1: <laughs> Same sort of electricity in my <laughs> exactly. experience. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I've I, I found that any I've written about your team, posted something about your team, people just want to bring up the schedule. And I, I, I know it's true that we looked this up the other day that your team was only the fifth team in the last twenty-five years to start a season playing three teams that had all lost 95 or more the year before. So, that, all right, that's true. On the other hand, you pummeled those teams. <laughs> 101 to 30 run different. <laughs> I'm curious, what do you say when people raise the schedule to you?
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, it is what it is. I, you know, I, I think the fact that people are, Raising it in the first place suggests that we're either doing something really good or really bad to get their attention. You know? <laughs> For that to be a, a focal point, I think if we went, you know, if we had three or four losses through that stretch, which I think, you know, whatever, it, it, it probably we're just kind of going along and minding our business, and no one's really paying a whole lot of attention to us yet. Um, yeah, I think that attention's there because we played so well on top of it. And I don't know. To me, and I think to us, it really doesn't matter who you're playing to, you know, if the teams don't lose 162 games in the major leagues, you know, even at, you know, 60 and 100, 60, 102, they're still winning games, you know, and over a stretch like that, I think to to win all your games and to do it as convincingly as this group did, would like to think it's something because it's our team, we're going to want it to meet as much as possible. But in terms of like what people are going to say or not say about it. I think we appreciate it. We played, we executed at an exceptionally high level in all aspects of the game um, that I think would have held up against anyone we were playing over that stretch in that sense. But at the same time, it's like, there's a lot of baseball to go and, and, you know, short of winning a world series, there's going to be a reason that somebody doesn't like something about what you're doing. And even if you do win one, they'll probably dislike the way you do that too. But so it's, it's fine. I don't, I don't think it's, it's a big deal. We'll uh, we'll take our record. And I don't think it could have been any better. So that's, that's all we can do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I want to take you back a little bit. I obviously I interviewed with the Rays uh, with you in 2014, I believe it was. And, um, I, I first of all, you, you made the right choice. Kevin Cash is phenomenal, <laughs> so that's good. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I am very interested in the um, what you think has changed so much since that time. You know, we're it's a decade away, um, not only in your own personal experience and in, in the role you're in, but just the game itself, uh, and and sort of in the broader picture. But of course, in this year, we're talking about rules change. But what do you think has been different in the last decade?
2: Oof. <laughs> it's uh, you know, we, we struggled to reflect and appreciate the last two weeks. Um, <laughs> it's not that much different for the last almost 10 years now. I, it goes, it goes fast. I, I think, um, you know, I, I appreciate Doug what, what you said about Kevin and um, he's, he's been wonderful. And I think the, you know, the, the reasons that we hired him in the first place um, where there, I thought that there were some qualities and just, authentic attributes that he carried that we're going to be constants as he gained experience that these things, you know, he's, he has great relationships with players. He communicates exceptionally well. He's curious. Uh, He's open-minded there. There's not a, a whole lot of ego there. You know, there's this very rare blend of strength and humility that, you know, he can, he can lead a major league clubhouse. He can have the hard conversations, but at the same time, he's very comfortable in his own skin and isn't afraid to be wrong, you know? And so, I think that's something that those things stick. He was the same player, you know, that 2016, I think we won 60 some games. It was the one year of the stretch. We won fewer than 80. And remember being in Texas at the end of the year and he's out throwing VPs, doing everything the way he would have, you know, opening day there on, you know, the the consistency to who he is and as authentic as he is, I think just provided a great foundation that culturally he had the right attributes that you want to see just kind of, um, make their way throughout your your clubhouse, and over time that leadership that example um having a staff that that followed suit and carries a lot of those same attributes, you get that around our players, you start winning some games, and it just seems to to snowball you know there's there's a lot of trust in our clubhouse um there's there's a lot of you know these guys can be themselves they 're accepted for being themselves they 're put in possession position to build confidence they 're put in positions to care about one another. And, you know, when you start winning games, which finally happened for us as 2018 progressed, not out of the gates, but as it progressed, you start getting that validation to go with it. that This approach works, Um, you know, just about anything's possible. We got a little more to achieve, but it's it's just been an ever growing, ever learning, um, you know, beautifully imperfect bunch, you know, I would say (laughs) where it sits. So a lot of special people here. Ask me again in a couple hours. I'll refine this answer. To
1: something. <laughs> you know, when I think about your secret sauce, I, I mean, Kevin's a big part of it. You're a big part of it. But, I, you know, I decided to delve in a little bit because last five years, your payroll's been in the bottom five, all five, 30th, 28th, 26th, 25th, 28th. So I looked at the other four teams in the bottom five in payroll from 2019 to 2022 there are combined 261 games under 500 you're 98 over 500 and you've made the playoffs every year what should we learn about that about how that's possible
2: oof um man now i got to i got well, a little more seriousness right i, I mean just the point yeah. is it's just
1: it's it's supposed to be hard to yeah. do what you've done
2: yeah it's hard.
1: For the it's, the look,
2: it's hard to compete. I think for us, the goal we're just trying to be as competitive as we can be, win as many games as we can be. I think do it we want to win how we win matters too. you know we want to enjoy each other's company, we want to help each other get better, learn, grow, improve, not be afraid to make the mistake, et cetera, and just see where that takes us. but it it takes tremendous work from a lot of people. It takes learning quickly um from our thoughts and 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 beliefs as we as we go adapting as we go uh trusting people to do their jobs throughout this organization you know and having really good players you know players can really drive it we're getting a lot more attention now than we did two weeks ago i don't think we're any different you know (laughs) so so the players can can do a lot to you know to shape the perception of things but it it has been a good run we haven't achieved their ultimate on-field goal you know winning a world series and um i think that just continues to you know that motivation's there you know and um we're all we all share that you know and we all want to find a way to make that happen but ideally you know our job is to win games it's not to win games given this payroll or given this revenue it's just to win games and i think Over time, hopefully we continue to win games. It's just about how we stack up to other teams and how they win games, not conditional upon, you know, how much we spend or, you know, what for that or anything like that.
1: Uh, Well, let me ask it this way. You know, I talk to people who work for lots of, say, data-driven teams just for lack of a better expression. And one thing they all talk about is how much harder it is now to find that edge that information that separates what you do from the other teams out there that are just as smart and thinking about all this stuff just as much as you and may have more money than you maybe a lot more money than you so how big a challenge has it been for the rays to find those edges
2: through yeah. the, um, now that
1: especially compared to a few years ago
2: yeah look it, this is a competitive uh industry and um it's closed and there's only so many wins to go around if, you know, <laughs> we're, all, we're all fighting <laughs> for the same number of wins that are, that are available. Uh, I think it's really difficult now. Certainly if we knew everything now, 10 years sooner, we would have been even a lot better, you know, <laughs> I, I try to remind ourselves of that, that like, Hey, you know, we got to We got to stay ahead we got to do those things, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. There's been an explosion of information. There's a lot more to interpret, to understand and, apply uh, or determine what to apply what not to apply than five ten years ago and that presents challenges but you know I I don't I I'd like to think that a lot of our success isn't built on a you know a a particular insight or piece of new knowledge I'd, I'd like to think that it's based on we have a big staff we have a lot of people we've been afforded the benefits by Stu Sternberg, our owner to to be stable to have a lot of continuity in an industry that tends to be pretty cutthroat and i think as much to do with our success is that we've been together a long time we're just as motivated to find success now as we've ever been and there's just a lot of trust and appreciation how for different perspectives can help us achieve those those goals so um i would never put it on one particular you know, insight, so to speak, but uh, we got to find them. But I think more than anything else, we've been fortunate enough to reach a place like plenty of other organizations, I'm sure that we can have a lot of different perspectives that all appreciate and value what each provides to, to what we're trying to achieve.
0: Well, you know, and Eric, and every time I think of the Rays in general, um, I always think of two kind of points. Like I always ask, are they ahead of the curve or are they drawing the curve? You know, I I always kind of come to those two. And um, and I love the conversation we had. It was opening day in Tampa. The Yankees were in town, and uh, I was doing a feature on Kevin Kiermeyer and about his in, outfield depth. And uh and I, of course, as an outfielder, a defensive outfielder, it was music to my ears as you expressed that, you know, you you were not gonna allow someone with his value the subtlety of his value ever get unappreciated again like that was a commitment you made and you know for what you saw in in value so i guess you know my question is along the lines of just assessing value and how much that actually changes over time and how do you draw it or set the curve like all right new set of rules does your personnel change? Like, do you have more burners? Yeah. You know, you seem to your organization always seems to kind of know what that means long-term before it means that. So I guess that's, you know, I'm curious how you dissect that.
2: Yeah. It's, uh, with a lot of people and that are smarter than me and get the heck out of the way. I, I don't know if we're uh, the, the curve itself. We like to scribble. I, I don't know if we're <laughs> or behind, but we like to scribble. Uh and, and draw lines and and see where they take us. But I, uh, no, I look, that's, I think our goals are similar to any other organization's goals. We've, we've been together a long time here. I think that helps, but it's, you know, what, what can we do to win as many games as possible? You know, what contributions on a field allow you to do that? And, you know, are there any that, you know, do, do, the, does the industry put more weight on some of those than others, less weight on some of those than others? And how confident are we willing to, you know, invest in those areas where we think they might not be as, as weighted. Are we going to be right? I don't know. Everyone has those beliefs and opinions of where that is, but um, you know, that's just something that we constantly try to stay at that and um, just try to make sure that we're appreciating what we think is in front of a player and not just what's behind them.
1: You know, Doug touched on the, the, the way the rules have changed. So let me ask you, uh, um, you know, with the pitch clock, the games are 26 minutes shorter on average. Uh, what struck you about the impact of the clock?
2: A little more sleep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Win every
1: night and get home a half hour earlier. What could yeah, go wrong? <laughs>
2: yeah, it's, uh, not just for me, our players, the, you know, we have a younger roster. Those that have kids, they're, they're young kids. Young kids don't sleep all that well. It's so fun, But Um, no, I think I, my, my personal opinion, not uh, even the organization's opinion, just my, my personal opinion. I'm, I'm a fan of, of the clock. I, I I love the, the tempo that it, that it creates. I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's more enjoyable to watch the game when you're, you're getting into the kind of rhythm that's been established by, you know, forced established by the way of this clock. But, um, I think it's been enjoyable. I think our teams, it's not necessarily new, but our teams, you know, we, we tend to prioritize athleticism, defensive ability, base running ability, Um, you know, over time, that's an area where our teams have probably been a little bit, certainly with the position player group been a little bit stronger in those areas. And then relatively speaking, maybe a little bit less so in the batter's box as we've constructed rosters. I think the rule changes, you know, when you hear, someone like Theo or the league talk about the objectives of them um, directionally, they're pointed, uh, in a at a place that's favorable to athletes, you know, it's favorable to, to bringing more action to the game, you know, the, to, to showcasing athleticism. So we're not, we're not going to complain uh, when it, when it comes to that, but the clock itself, I just, I, I enjoy the pace. I, I enjoy pitchers getting the ball and just keeping a rhythm, keeping tempo going. I just think it's more enjoyable to watch at any level. So I'm I'm here for it and more than that we have jobs to do you know my job description is to win as many games as we can I believe that's the first line of it you know and that is what it is but I think there's also a lot of respect that there's a greater importance of making sure this game's of interest to people other than the four of us here on this zoom so um you know our three that's visible I don't know who's gonna show up <laughs> a to be going on, but, uh, anyway the point is i I'm very trusting and appreciate the the league's efforts to you know to to try to create a game and a product that um is what is what the fans want because without that what do we we're, we're not gonna be doing this stuff
1: <laughs> yeah i always appreciate that when when you say that when we're talking about these things and we had a long conversation this spring uh about the rules and you said something to me that I think about all the time now that, yeah, seriously. No, if we, it was something to the effect of if we're going to have this kind of rhythm to our games, then a pitch, every pitch oh yeah, possibly now becomes an action play. And it's interesting because people talk all the time about how baseball needs more action. And I feel like you look at this differently because when you think about it, the the thought the uh the strategy the intrigue that goes into every pitch maybe that's action so am i characterizing this right yeah. about how you how you're thinking
2: yeah all right I, 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 I that is that is a bit of a constant I, I i say a lot of stuff that i might not remember that one i well I was, I was wasn't sure where you're going to take it but i yeah no i think um look the a ball in play the amount of time a ball is in play in that action you know whether strikeouts are down a little bit or not it's not that much of the time that exists of the course of a two to three hour game and um i don't know i i I tend each pitch that's not put in play a little bit more like the jabs you know there's there's an action and there's an event there that the you know, they're the jabs, the ball in play might be the roundhouse, the haymaker, whatever it is. But you're still right. a jab back and forth does set up those bigger events, you know, and the action plays that that exist. And certainly now, a ball not put in play, you got a better chance of some action on the bases, uh, you know, a stolen base attempt, what have you. Um, but I think that that competition within the at bat with the pitcher and the batter still is going to, it weren't, unless we go to three, two counts, like that's always going to be a significant part of the game and the developments over an evening. And that's something to be appreciated. And I think, you know, to me, seeing the tempo picked up, I think that's, that's held. And there's a little more intrigue on that as opposed to sitting or focused on when the ball is going to be put in play. I don't know.
1: Yeah. You know, it's really such an interesting concept because Hey, the 60 feet, six inches is the, definitely the, it's the centerpiece of the game. It's the base of the game. And you're the only person in baseball outside of my goofy friends and relatives who ever talk about it this way so I, it's okay. really it's it's really, to, to think. Think.
2: <laughs>
1: it's it's really made me think glando probably thought know? of this years ago <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> well yeah and well you know stolen bases for example i mean i, I think my data is right here but it's somewhere in the order of like nine percentage points uh lower in terms of get you know caught stealing Mm-hmm. So your chances is getting, you know, uh, when you see numbers like that, I know it's early, but, you know, I remember thinking about, okay, I'm not going to steal second. I'm not going to steal third because I'm reducing the probability of our team scoring a run. If yeah. I get caught by a higher percentage than if I make it yeah. and how much I improve my chances of scoring. So when you see numbers like that, like, does it change the calculus? Like, wait a minute, guys are making an 85% clips now. That's like, that's opens the door to being like, steal third. <laughs> uh, you know, do you, has that like, like I said, it's early, but how, how quickly does it shift strategy personnel? Like you know, with those kind of numbers,
2: it's, it, it's, it's been a, an active topic within our, within our group, you know, to, to recognize where the numbers are in the early going and then seeing, you know, what, what happens over the next several weeks as we all settle into them, you know, and maybe, maybe out of the gates, the, the runners have a little bit of advantage, but how to, how do pitchers settle into controlling the run game with a limited number of disengagements and so on. Um, it's something we're going to monitor for a while. I, I think from, you know, our conversations, there's more opportunities to steal a that, that exists. I think that was the intention of the the rules. I, I don't think in terms of the gameplay itself, it doesn't feel obnoxious. It doesn't feel like a distraction or something that's taking away from the game or, um, making a mockery of it by any means. I, I think it's been refreshing. Um, but, yeah, that, that's something we're keeping a close eye on to see, you know, where where does it settle in once pitchers have had sufficient time to to really decide how and, you know, they're going to go about controlling the run game, how much they're going to care, how they're going to alter their own behaviors. But, um, yeah, a few more opportunities to get there. And that bag at third can, can obviously be a big one. And if that success rates up a little bit. It gives you a little more courage, hopefully. <laughs> doesn't mean people think it's going to be a hundred percent but uh yeah it's directionally like where it's at and pointed
1: yeah well when Theo was here a couple of weeks ago he he you know he basically said to all the people complaining oh it's way too easy to steal now wake me up when we get back to the 80s when we've left them in the dust we're not even there yet you know we're 1999 levels so not like this is a historically year. out of whack. Um, what, what make, what I'm curious about is what, as, as Doug was saying, when you see the success rate uh, at, which is the highest in the history of baseball, does that suggest we're going to see a lot more space stealing as we go along, or is it a sign that teams are already digging in on a way to adjust and control it?
2: I, I'm very confident the latter is going to happen. I, mm-hmm. that, that for sure. Now, whether, whether that leads to, you know, meaningful changes in the the attempt rates and the the success rates. Uh, we'll see. You know, I mean, we're we're actively doing the latter there. You know, and figuring <laughs> what do we what do you need to do to rein this in a little bit? You know, do we? You know, the back picks. You know, the catchers get more involved and in, you know, kind of controlling the run game after the secondaries when they don't go whatever it might be. I, I don't know, but um, that is something that it, look like it's it's a nice storyline to follow. It's not you know this is these are these are things that are. I don't know. I I'm enjoying that we're having conversations about topics such as this, you know, about the pace of games and how much how refreshing it's been, rather than uh, some of the nonsense we've kicked around the last few years. So I welcome it. <laughs> I hope it continues to be a discussion, and it gives us something to, to focus on that's yeah, just a little more neutral to positive about the game itself.
1: Yeah. yeah, as you know, I'm fascinated by all of it, and I mean, again, the base stealing thing. um, I'm I'm really interested by what like what part of the old math, the old equation for when you steal and when you don't steal, still applies, and what part <laughs> of it has completely changed. You know, I thought I'd see huge leads with two disengagements, even one disengagement. That that hasn't been that true. Um, so why is that? Why why did so many of the old parts of the stolen base equation still apply? <laughs>
2: Right. I mean, we're still adjusting. <laughs> we're still, yeah, A little risk aversion, maybe, you know. Uh, but I, I think we're yeah, still feeling our way through it a little bit, um, trying to understand the the best way to make the most within the rules. I think the, the back picks from the catchers and how you get off, you know, how much is in a primary lead, how much is in a secondary. You know, seeing some of the shuffle leads and different things like that come into play a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we're all just trying to – you know, learn a little bit about, okay, what can we do? When are the pitchers going to adjust? How are they going to adjust? What are the catchers going to do? Um, and yeah, it's, I, I think for better, or for worse. And part of the reason that these rules I think were created is because we became so risk averse on the basis. And I think for reasons that made sense, but if we've kind of grown up that way. we got to free ourselves up a little bit, I think, uh, and, and break away from it. But I don't know. I don't know if those behaviors that have been learned over time and, just being a little bit more cautious are you know still showing up in that sense but if I, if i had something good here i probably wouldn't share it anyway but i know. <laughs> of
1: course you wouldn't
0: yeah, yeah yeah i mean and even within the base stealing it's like, like the extra base you know the you know the first to third the way that speed is playing so when you talk about you know pitching it it becomes an action item it's you know you see all of a sudden these holes are there that weren't there before you <laughs> know it's like, wait a minute, there's nobody up the middle or, or someone is on one side. Uh, I mean, have you, I guess just the baseline, are you enjoying the game differently now, just as a fan?
2: you know. Yeah, I mean, look, I've, we've been fortunate to have a nice start and a high percentage of the baseball I've watched at the major league level has been our team. So that's, yeah, I mean, it's, that's been fun, a little bit of a biased take on that but I think it's it's been good I've I've paid a more attention to you know I live in Tampa and cross paths with a lot of people that aren't in the park every day and are more casual fans and casual fans of different teams and there's been a lot of positive talk about the game you know and that people have been enjoying it and they can't believe what a difference the clock has made on how they're taking in the game and you know letting kids stay up to watch it because they confidence is going to finish it a reasonable amount and so on. It's,
0: yeah. so, um,
2: it's, you know, I, I, I've enjoyed it. I kind of told myself I would enjoy it before I think these, uh-huh. these changes were um, adopted. So I kind of had my mindset, which you got to be careful with, but yeah. um, nah, it's been, it's been fun. And like I said, I look, I, I think we all should care about, you know, putting the game in a place that is enjoyable to fans, you know, want there to be, want there to be interest, want to be receptive to to what's important to fans and, and trust the league's direction on that. And, um, you know, in that sense, I've I've heard more conversation, positive conversation about the game over the last month than I probably have in the last three, four years combined. Truly. That's a good yeah,
1: thing. No, yeah. It's a good thing. Um, all right. Be, before we let you leave, uh, you know, I was on MLB network the other day with a big fan of your franchise, Brian Kenny. He asked me a question that I thought he should really be asking you. Um yeah. <laughs> <it> went, right, <laughs> lucky me. If um it was something to the effect of if some other team started 13-0, the Dodgers, the Yankees, even the Padres <laughs> or the Brewers, would people be more willing to believe what they were seeing than they were if the Rays were 13-0? And I, I think his point is for some reason there is a segment of baseball fans that don't want to give the rays credit for what they do and how they do it. But again, he should be asking you this. What do you think, Eric?
2: I mean, like I said, at the beginning, I think if it gets attention because we're either doing something really good or really bad. And I I think any team in that situation, you're going to find some on each side. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I will say. I mean, look, this is a team that it's athletic, it's good, um, it's entertaining. Uh, it's a team that look, there's there's star power to this team. You know, from Randy Rosarina from the postseason, historical postseason, and 20 to the World Baseball Classic to Wander Franco to you know Brandon Lau is kind of the forgotten superstar. I think he's leading our team and. You know, most offensive categories right now and everyone's talking about Wander and Randy. Yeah. Um, you know, Shane McClanahan starting the All Star game last year, last now before getting hurt, and hopefully we'll get him back here soon, was right in the Cy Young mix the year before, before he got injured. Um, this is a team that has a lot of superstar talent. I think they're they're deep, um, they're fun, and yeah, like it's early. I anyone wanna say anything they want right now, if they're talking about us, I think that's something we'll take. Uh, because typically that's only happening when things are going okay. So uh, that's fine. And at the end of the day, we've, we've been fortunate to have a lot of regular season success um, over the, you know, the Rays era, so to speak. And we just got to find a way to, you know, be the last man standing, your last team standing for a year. And that's, that'll, that'll take care of it. But until then, everyone can have their take. And if they're paying attention and have a take, I think that's probably okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you just ticked off all those superstars. This just in, everybody. The Rays are a star-laden team. Pay attention out there. Eric, we could talk to you all day, man, but I know you got 160 games you need to go win. So, look, thank you so much for carving out the time. Always great to talk to you. See you down the road. Thank you. Okay, it's that time again. It's time for Listener Trivia, our way of involving you. Our favorite listeners in this show, and Doug. Now that the Rays have lost, don't you think that you and I now have the greatest streak in baseball? We haven't gotten a trivia question wrong since the start of spring training, right? Yeah, I mean the Rays. You know, they.
0: I guess we just outmaneuvered them. You know, that's that's solid. So <laughs> I, I I don't use the word dynasty too often, but we're in dynastic mode right here. Um, so that's okay. So I feel like we we could not with another one and be completely straight because we've established two months of excellence. But I feel good about that.
1: Wait, so we don't ever have to get another one, right? I'm not in we for have, that. We, we
0: don't have to even answer one. <laughs> We're done.
1: We, we've, we've, we've might, we've dropped the mic. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's one strategy. Uh, I actually think we have a shot to continue the streak this week. I mean, probably not, but when you're as hot as we are, who would bet against us? Don't answer that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so on that note, Let's welcome in this week's special trivia guest star. It's George Bass. And George, since you're wearing a Phillies jacket. Apparently you're a Philadelphia sports fan. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. So how okay, so when you're a loyal Philadelphia sports fan, where does Doug Glanville fit <laughs> in your your history of that?
3: Uh so he was a starting center fielder the first game I ever went to. I actually have a very core memory of Doug Lanville. It was, I believe, 1999 against Mm -hmm. the Arizona Diamondbacks. He was on Mm -hmm. base when Ron Gant hit a game-tying two-run home run off of Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson, yeah. He mabbed
0: him. We we called it mabbing someone because there was a paint company, M-A-B Paints. Okay. So if you hit the paint (laughs) sign, we said you mabbed him. So he mabbed Randy Johnson. It was like a slider. Oh, I remember that. Well, yeah, we, we had a good game
3: that day. Yeah, it was awesome.
1: I thought you were going to re- bring up the game when Glanville hit two homers off that Kurt Schilling guy, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, here's your challenge for the day. You just have to stop our unstoppable
3: trivia streak. So let's do it, huh? Why don't you hit us with your question? All righty. So 31 players have played in four different decades. Who were the last two active players to achieve this feat? Last two. Uh, uh, all right, and, and in your
1: when you tweeted this question at us, you also had a great hint, which you're free, you're free to include. <laughs> okay,
3: they retired the same year.
1: <laughs> all right, so you got that, Doug. We need two players that's, who played in four different decades, but four the hint days. is really helpful because yeah, it sounds I'm, really helpful. I'm almost sure I know one of them. What? Um, I mean, I'm certain that one of the the two has got to be Jamie Moyer. His okay. career started in the late. 80s then he pitched for the next 37 years well yeah so took a he made off. it into the 2010s <laughs> he's got to be one am i right that is correct billy's okay. legend Souderton high school jamie moyer there, there you go so okay so that means that the other guy played in the same time frame started in the 80s didn't retire till 2011 or 12 whatever jamie retired so so who is that Doug, it's your time, but mm, I've gosh. got a name. Like, a Julio totally. Franco comes to mind for me. He'd be my guest. Yeah, don't tell but us. Maybe yet. you don't have some. Uh, yeah. Who do, oh, you, yeah. Who, who do you have?
0: I have Julio Franco on my list here, but um yeah, I do have him on there. My, my thought was just someone who had to, you know, probably played, well, if they played straight through, they'd have to finish a decade, like 1969 or something, right. and then come back. You know, so actually one of my answers was caught in fist, but now that you mentioned Jamie Moyer, who was on my list, that's like, and that's correct. Yeah.
1: It doesn't Ooh. matter who did it once. It's about who did it last. <laughs> yeah. Last, so it's got to right. be yeah. somebody from that, I mean, from the eighties. I mean, Franco,
0: didn't he play in like seven decades? I mean, so. <laughs>
1: he um, would still qualify I, if he did.
0: Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's. I mean, that's he He's playing until he was late. 47 or whatever it was. No, I know, so. but it's like, was he, did he play that many years past when I played? Gosh, he played. If because if he retired in what 2011 or something, is that what you're
1: saying? All right, so he's he, his rookie year would have been what 82, maybe 83, sorry, so something 80, like 90, that. And he played till he was 47. 80, so 90s, I might be I might be wrong about this. Who who, no, I think who else know. do you who else do you have? Who so who else could have played? You have to play 22 years minimum. Well, I thought for a,
0: well, Albert Pujols, what year did he come up? 2000? 2000. I mean, he's he's yeah. close, right?
1: 2001. One. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's not him. Uh rod mm-hmm. didn't come up till the 90s. It's not him. Uh, these guys who started 2000s, young, I mean. 2020. Griffin,
0: yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you'd have to end in 2011-ish, right? And then, therefore, you came up in the 80s, somewhere in the 80s. Right. Did so it's like a, you know it's almost like a guy that i watched as a kid that i actually played against and actually beyond right. that's right you know like i thought about like fernando valenzuela i don't think he made it that nah. long nah. And teddy higueroa well pitchers are probably never good jesse like roscoe like,
1: but he started jesse, before that, didn't he?
0: like rick honeycutt he pitched forever didn't he yeah but started uh, no nah, he
1: started too soon
0: um um, yeah, he was probably gone by then. Charlie Huff, Tom Candiotti, Teddy Higuera, these are kind of cats like Bob Tewksbury. Ah, yeah, that's pitching is tough. Like, I wonder why they stick. Yeah, oh, Ricky Henderson,
1: when did he retire? Uh, I, I, I don't feel like that's just that's not quite right. Like, Rick, Ricky was. He started mid 80s. He didn't play uh-huh. 25 80, years. 90s. Yeah. He's close, right? But you're really? right that Franco would have had to play really a lot of years, but he played till he was 47. Right,
0: right. What are we missing?
1: So, okay, somebody who came up in 1989 <laughs> or 88. Right, because uh, Henderson played before that. When did he
0: break the stall and be 87? Then he just... uh, it's not him. Um, Not Ricky. All right. It's not him. Okay. Otis Nixon, Tony Phillips, no. Ruben Sierra. He plays forever. No. Biggio, Craig Biggio.
1: No. Mm. Okay.
0: All right. I mean, I'm I'm fine with Franco. (laughs) Okay. I mean, just do that. Let's just do that. Yeah. It's that's a. a, Those are two
1: really respectable guesses, and if we're wrong, we're wrong. Whatever.
0: We're, Those are good like, guesses, yeah. Yeah, we're
1: we're we're you know we're running away with the league. You can afford to lose one. <laughs> okay, so let's do it. George, I'm here. Is, is there any chance that the answer is Jamie
3: Moyer and
1: Generalissimo Julio Franco?
3: So Jamie Moyer is correct. Uh oh. Julio Franco is not. Yes. Julio Franco played in the eighties, nineties, and two thousands. I just googled this while you guys were
0: yeah,
3: so the correct answer is omar viskell oh of course of course he played from 89 to 2012 when him and jimmy moore
1: played their last year i think he started that in 89 89. oh
3: wow
0: that's a great one
1: you know what though i I don't even feel bad about getting this no i mean what, what, what have we done like seven in a row eight in a row six in a row i lost track four we did four decades in a row that's what we did (laughs) whatever (laughs) yeah hey we're look we're we're still we're still batting over 800 (laughs) so if you had hit 800 non-trivial life you'd still be playing wouldn't you absolutely (laughs)
0: we're we're retiring and sleeping in the hall of fame at that point i think amazing that's a great question omar biskell that is very good really good nine yeah wow Uh, i would never uh, gotten that all right well ricky it was so when did Ricky retire? Ricky Anderson. Uh
3: 2003, I actually had that pulled yeah. up too because he did oh, play in four, he played in four decades. Right, which... but not the right four. Yep, Not
1: the right <laughs> four, okay. <good.
3: laughs> All
1: right, look, en- en- enough about us. Let's right. move this thing along. Let's bring in the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster, to provide the weekly highlight of this segment. And how does he provide that? By playing another one of his spectacular play-by-play clips involving this week's answer. So, Tim, what do you got for us? We're going to go with Jamie Moyer um, because in that fourth decade, he still had some stuff left, although it was Moxie, <laughs> right? It wasn't uh, It wasn't Velocity for sure. Uh, he finished stuff in 2012 is, with the Rockies. He actually didn't pitch yeah. in 2011, <laughs> but in 2010, on May 7th, he became the oldest pitcher to throw a shutout.
2: Towards Short, shortstop, easy hop for Valdez. He's got it across the diamond in time Jamie Moyer, at the age of forty seven has thrown a two hit shutout as the Phillies have defeated the Atlanta Braves seven to nothing you can be around this game for a long time as long as Jamie and you may never see this again the oldest non knuckleballer to pitch a shutout before tonight satchel page in
1: 1952 about wow, that break satchel. those satchel page records you're Ooh. doing something Ooh. good <laughs> so, Jamie a few years ago he's walking around with a ponytail now <laughs> he's he's cooler oh, than man. ever uh, i remember that night really well anyway that was so good tom mccarthy on the call george bass with the stumper george way to go nice
3: one. Yeah, <laughs> feels good down the street you you yes. and the blue jays
1: <laughs> ended the streaks We'll start a new one. (laughs) The biggest streaks in baseball. History. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you, my friend. That was great. Thanks, guys. Take care.
0: Strange but true.
1: You know, Doug, some weeks we find uh, a strange but true moment to talk about in baseball. And some weeks the strange but true moment finds us. (laughs) Okay. So that brings us to a, a team that we love. It's the Rocket city trash pandas uh who are in fact a real team they're not just a creation of that zach buchanan minor league all named tournament imagination thing that he does (laughs) they exist everybody found that out last weekend uh when the trash pandas did something you probably thought couldn't be done right they pitched a no hitter that part's obviously been done that's great yeah the part that hasn't been done They gave up seven runs in their no-hitter all in one inning. And it was the last inning. So, Doug, before we go on, do you have any thoughts on um, the likelihood or the unlikelihood of doing that? And you can also ask any questions about how they did that because I'm prepared.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, it's one of those moments where you're looking at a box score and your brain doesn't have the capacity to accept it. It's it's so far out there. That you're like, wait a minute, it's it's like bad math, you know? It's like one plus one equals three. Let me think about this for a second. No hits, okay? You have no hits, none, and there's seven runs. Is that a, that's got to be a typo in the one column. <laughs> no. So I was like, oh, it's a typo. So that, that was all I could come up
1: with. I was like, this is just not possible. <laughs> all right, right. We li- you know we live on a planet where we get used to how certain things look. How no hitter. Box scores look, line scores look, scoreboards look. They don't look like that. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do, Doug. But why don't we run through how a team gave up seven runs in one inning, but preserved the no hitter? Ready? This was, here here it goes. Walk, walk, Uh, pop up with the infield fly rule. So that's an out. Another walk, strikeout. So now we're two outs. Wow. One out of way. All good. Uh, Another walk. So that's a run. Then came a very fateful moment: Uh, fly ball, the center fielder didn't catch for a three-run error. So now we're now they're up to four runs. They're trailing in the game for three, right? Uh, New pitcher, then hit by pitch, hit by pitch, hit by pitch. (laughs) Now we're up to five runs, and uh, a base-loaded walk. Now we're up to six runs. Now we get a wild pitch. We're up to seven runs. Another hit batter, strikeout to finally end the inning. So. 7 runs and no hits but four walks, four hit batters, one wild pitch, one bases loaded fly ball the center fielder didn't catch that would have ended the game. So, if you're asking how is that possible? That's how. You yeah, I, I know, when you when you tell that beautiful story
0: in beautiful. real time it I realized that a dodgeball game broke out in the last inning. That's, that's Bikes all I that can explain.
1: T-ball something.
0: Yeah. Just, you know, because we used to do running bases and you could hit the guy in the back. Um, and that was totally legitimate. That's how you were out. So you, they called you. you got bombed. And, um, and since there's no running lane and running bases, or obviously in this game, you can actually hit people. So if, if you hit someone and it's an out, they had more than enough outs to win that ball game. And uh, so I think that that is what they expected. And maybe the relief pitcher just forgot that a hits batsman
1: is a runner on base instead of an out. Simple. Okay. I think that's probably not what happened, yep. <laughs> but it's, it's a theory. Um, all right, why don't I provide you a couple of uh, crazy tidbits? That's what strange but trueness is all about, as you know. Oh, yeah. So here's one. Uh, did you know this has happened before in the minor leagues? Mm. A team pitches a no-hitter, gives up seven runs. This was 1948. In the Pony League, mm-hmm. uh, a league I hope you never played in. By the way, no, I, missed I don't that think one. it existed in your lifetime. Yeah, I missed it. Uh, so, a guy named Lewis Blackmore of the Wellsville Red Sox in the Pony League mm-hmm. It's a no hitter. So that was the good news. Bad news: he walked seventeen. I said seventeen, <laughs> and just in case you missed that, seventeen walks. And he stayed in. They didn't take him out. <laughs>
0: I oh, yeah, no. it's what
1: the was pitch count? Uh, I don't. Yeah. It's pre pitch canner. Sorry. I can't in, help you with that.
0: 1200.
1: But, so, you know, at times like this, I check in with the great Dirk Lammers. Uh, he's the man who runs the no, no hitters.com site. Um, he, he, he had a lot of information on what was <laughs> Blackmore and the pony league. And he, he told me that he thought it was possible that Lewis Blackmore might have been distracted because in the third inning of this game, there was a skunk delay. Mm. So I, I can't verify how he felt about that. For the record, I definitely would have been distracted by that. You? Well, yeah. I mean, and skunk spray, it's kind of sticky. So
0: he might have tried to improve his spin rate by putting skunk spray on the baseball and just lost command. I mean, that makes perfect <laughs> sense to me.
1: Doug, that would stink. Yeah. Get it? See what I did? Totally. Really? <laughs> okay. One more important tidbit on this game. Um, I actually added this up in the last 101 big league games in which a team gave up no hits. Mm-hmm. You know how many runs those 101 teams gave up combined? That would be six runs in mm-hmm. 101 <laughs> no hitters combined. And then the trash pandas gave up seven runs in one inning doug <laughs> they're
0: they're unhittable that's magical that's magic i mean the name itself speaks volumes called the trash pandas and i've seen the rumble ponies i live in a town that's near the yard goats yeah so when you're trash panda you're, you're kind of next level and you have to do next level things even with no hitters um so i think i appreciate it
1: yeah what they is hit it, a when, level did we they
0: determine did. what a trash panda is exactly
1: i can tell you what a trash panda is yeah. um you know, I wrote about this game in my Weird and Wild column the other day, and so I did extensive research on trash pandas. And if you already know what a trash panda is, that's probably not a good sign because basically, it's a it's a raccoon whose sustenance derives from eating your trash. That's that's probably the most what is that, normal pleasant is that like way I could describe raccoon. It. I thought that's a typical. Yeah, raccoon. I guess so. I guess so. But there's, you know, the, the, the trash pandas, they have an excellent logo be, because of the the whole trash panda motif in real life. So it's all good. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, they, they didn't
0: want to call them trash raccoons, though. They they become pandas somehow through <laughs> recycling. They be, all of a sudden become pandas. How do they go
1: from raccoons to pandas? I don't believe that's that's what happens. They, they're, they're called trash pandas because you know how raccoons have... Like the the dark stuff around their eyes, yeah, eye black, yeah, and yeah, they use eye black, right? And, and in a coincidental development, so do actual pandas. So that's <laughs> the best I can tell. That's where that comes from. But you don't want to know too much. It's all I'm going to tell you. Let me, let me go back to uh, my weird and wild column uh, the other day because, I, you know, I thought oh, I got to check in with the trash pandas. I wound up talking to their whole coaching staff. <laughs> Of course I did. Right. So uh, I talked to Andy Shatsley, who's their manager, and he was, you know, they lost this game. Wasn't that happy about it, but he had had another game coming up. So he was sitting there writing up his reports and uh, his pitching coach said to him, hey, did you realize we were the lead story on the center. And so Andy told me, we didn't realize how big of a deal that game was until we were the lead on the center ahead of the Masters. Okay. So is that a good sign? <laughs> that uh, told them all they needed to know. Uh One more thing. Uh So they throw a no-hitter in the first game of the doubleheader. You know what they did in the second game? They threw a one-hitter and won. They won. Oops. Okay. So, Doug, is it possible? The key was not to throw a
0: no-hitter. <laughs> yeah. No-hitters are clearly jinxed in trash panda land. It's a world upside down. That's okay. Um, so, don't give up hits uh, because it's a bad thing.
1: So, if you give up <laughs> a hit, you win. So, I like it. Well, Good I strategy. Said, I said to them, Can you imagine if you'd throw two no-hitters and split? <laughs> With the and and on and, and he said, we almost did that. And it's true. We almost did it. Oh, God. Love the trash pandas. Um,
0: they must, by the way, the merchandise trash- must be through the roof right now. I got to get myself. Uh, I, I'm thinking
1: head. like if you're looking for a good way to boost trash panda t-shirt sales, yes, throwing a no-hitter, giving up seven runs, that would definitely work. 007. <laughs> Let's just call it
0: 007. <laughs> or seven double O. Hey. Maybe seven runs, no hits, no errors. I like seven double O.
1: 007, it's good. Yeah. Uh, I believe that's been trademarked. However, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, all right. That's going to do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this all season long. Well, maybe not just like a trash panda's no hitter, but you know, you get the idea on the Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety absolutely free everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to read any of the amazing baseball coverage in The Athletic, we can help you with that. If you just go to the slash baseball show and you're a new subscriber, you can subscribe for just $1.99 a month for the next 12 months. But also remember that you, too, can be part of this podcast. Every show, we pick some fun listener trivia question, and then that lucky listener gets to join us right here and prove once again there's almost no baseball trivia question we can't get wrong i don't know if we can even say that anymore but we just said it so how could you ask us a question you ask you can still email us at starkville at theathletic.com or as long as twitter continues to exist and we continue to be part of twitter you can find us on the twitter doug is it confirmed that people can still find you on the Twitter? Yeah, I mean I
0: my blue check mark is there I think I probably paid for it at this point just so I didn't disappear into the ether uh, uh, but still rumors are, we're not sure if that's how that's going to go, but you know, probably just bought like snake oil, but who knows, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, yeah, I'm still there somehow and it's still at Doug Glanville <laughs> so I'm just going to keep using this name, D-O-U-G G-L-A-N-V-I L L E and uh Elon Musk has not taken my name, so I, I'm still Doug Landville.
1: Thank okay. you. Okay. Uh, and you can still spell it with the best of them. Yeah. Doug Doug's maintained a, not just a trivia streak, but his streak of correctly spelling his own name. It's a miracle. And me, I don't have to spell my whole name because I am at J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T. That's Jason with a Y. S-T. Please remember to hashtag those questions. Hashtag Starkville Q S. So, Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Eric Neander for visiting us. Thanks to George Bass for the great trivia question. Thanks to the mayor of Starkville, Tim McMaster for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. Doug and I will see you next week. On Starkville.